It is so wonderful to see you today. For me, this is one of the most critical days of the year. It's one of the most um, indispensable times in our lives when we are brought into remembrance of something that happened that changed the whole world. It didn't only change the world, as I've often said, but it changed heaven, earth, and hell. It's an amazing, amazing time. We don't want to just get into the habit of going through the motions during a time like these, like this. We want to learn something from it. And I, I'm just grateful to be here with you and to share my heart with you today. And not only those of you who are in the sanctuary, but those who are watching online uh, here in the city of Corpus Christi and the Coastal Bend, also around the world, our brothers and sisters who have written to me, uh, you've said things. I would like for you to make comments uh, where you can online, make comments, and let us know who you are. We have many ministry leaders around the world who are watching today. And so we thank you so much for your participation. I want to talk to you about um, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That I've, I've done this multiple times. But I, I want to talk to you because of, of two things. One is you need it. Uh, but, uh, and that Peter puts it in this context. He says that he was stirring up the, your pure minds. My desire is to stir up your mind. And his, his uh, desire was to make sure that the church uh, remembered things that they should remember about Jesus Christ and who he is and what he had done. I, I wanted to bring uh, this to our attention because what Jesus has done for us cannot be undone. And this is so, so critical in our understanding. Amen. Thank you. Thank you for that. The, the writer of Hebrews says that, that before Jesus, mankind lived their whole lifetime in fear because nobody wanted to die. There was not really hope there. And Jesus came and conquered death, and he conquered the grave. Now, we have heard that so much time, we've gotten used to that. But that's not a worn-out truth. That is an ever-living truth that Jesus Christ conquered death, defeated death. That's big. It is an important fact that Jesus is risen or Jesus is alive forevermore. We, we sang about that. Jesus is alive forevermore. It's important to know that the victory is that the lamb has overcome. And I think that uh, so often we have a particular humanistic bent. Uh, we don't think that, but we do have that. So because of that, we tend to, and I didn't say you, I say we, we tend to make light of or misunderstand something that God did through Jesus. And that is Jesus, the Lamb of God, is the victor, not the lion. It is the Lamb. It is the one who is perfect in humility, not the quote-unquote warrior, fighter, slash you, uh, you know, that kind of thing. He is the one who was perfect in humility, uh, perfect in grace and graciousness. It was that that overcame. And so I think God is saying something to his body is that you don't have to be uh, so bodacious, bold, and uh, 
carrying your sword and whatever else. But in those days, it was a sword. We would, if we wanted to use a perfect analogy, we would say something like, you don't have to use your pistol to win. You know, that, that's how we would say it today. So it's, it's not with a, a mouth and swelling words, but it was in great humility. This one who overcame is the one when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he uh, suffered, mis was mistreated, he did not threaten, no. But he commit, committed himself into the hands of the one who judges righteously. So this is what we want to remember today. I just want to bring you into remembrance of some things. Uh, I was reading, as I told you perhaps now about a month ago, I don't remember who, uh, who I was reading, or, but I was reading, uh, and this writer said, that preaching the gospel is not about bringing something new every time you preach. I know we have become accustomed to that, but that is, to do that would be akin to uh, Jesus saying about the generation in which he lived that they were, um, they were like children, you know. Uh, we, we played the flute and you didn't dance. We, we played, a, we, we played a, a dirge and... You didn't cry, you know. He says, no, that's how it was. But what we do is we bring the truth of God over and over and over so that all of us now are able to communicate that same truth without error. Amen. And that's what this is about. Amen. On the note of the Lamb, I... In Revelation chapter 5, this is not in my notes, but let me just give you Revelation 5, uh, verses 4 through 7. Uh, John said he wept much because nobody was found worthy in heaven. There was nobody in creation that was found worthy to uh, look at the book and open the seals. And John says, I wept much because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or look at it. But one of the elders said to me, do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as though it had been slain. Now, what he sh shows us here is that, as that John, um, this elder said, don't worry, the line of, of the tribe of Judah has prevailed, and he's going to take care of things. And John said, but when I looked, I didn't see that. I didn't see a, a lion. I saw a lamb. And God's desire is that you and I know that on this matchless day in our existence, and even in the history of the heavens and the world, there's never been anyone like Jesus Christ. And God has generously given his son to you and me. This is what we must carry away today. Let me give you a few uh, facts, if I'm going to say that, in, instead of saying the truths, because but they mean the same thing in this particular context. Jesus Christ in Matthew chapter 23, verses 37 through 39, was going, uh, going into Jerusalem. And he was going into Jerusalem to declare that he was slash is the Messiah. He wanted to make sure it was the first time he had ever done that in a public way. He, he had always said, don't tell anybody that, that I'm the Messiah. Don't tell anybody. He told a Gentile girl 
uh, or a, a mixed girl, a Samaritan, he told her uh, that I am the Messiah, the one that you Samaritans are waiting for. But the people of God couldn't handle it yet because there were some things that needed to, ha to, to happen before they could handle them. But here now Jesus is walking, uh, riding into Jerusalem. He stops, he says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. Doesn't sound too much like God's people, does it? But it was. He says, how often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. I wanted to do something for you, but you were not willing. So this day is a day of rejoicing, of joy, but also a day of sadness. He says, you were not willing. I wanted to give you God. I wanted to give you myself. I wanted to dwell in the midst of you forever, but you were not willing. Not been willing. See, your house is left to you desolate. These are some of the most chilling words in verse 39. There's some of the most chilling words uh, for any of us. He says, for I say to you, you shall see me no more till you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Wow, he says to this generation, in just a short while, you will never see me again. How chilling. So this day is a great day. I am so glad that Jesus rose from the dead. I am so glad that, that he saved me, that he called me out of darkness into his marvelous light. I am excited about it. But there are people out there who are not giving him an opportunity. And I always ask the Lord, and I, I never want to be an impediment. I don't want to be an impediment, a stumbling stone. Jesus was a stumbling stone. stone. Why? Because they didn't want him. They stumbled over him because they wanted what they wanted and didn't want what God offered. In, in Matthew 26, again, we have uh, four verses. Um, Jesus says in verse 1, and now it came to pass when Jesus had finished these sayings that he said to his disciples, you know that after two days is the Passover and the Son of Man will be delivered up to be crucified. Then the chief priests, the scribes, and the elders of the people assembled at the palace of the high priest who was called Caiaphas and plotted to take Jesus by trickery and kill him. Can you believe that? Here's someone who had done what nobody had ever done. He was good and they were not. And that's what that looks like. And so it, during this time, I know how human beings are. Why? Because I'm one. I, I want to hear all the nice things. And I, I want to make sure that uh, I, I would like to rather listen, and I hope you would make sure, oh, you say something nice to me. You want somebody to say something nice to you, don't you? That's, there's nothing wrong with that. But there's also nothing wrong with the truth. They named, quote, unquote, the name of God, of the Lord, but they wanted to kill the Lord. They were God's people. They had so wandered. And so we almost, we, we, they had wandered. We must wonder during this time, who are we? 
And let this resurrection season remind us of things. Yes, things that make us sad, but things that make us also glad. Jesus now tells in John, John chapter 12, John gives us an understanding as well uh, as to what must happen. And I think this is somewhat chilling, but it is also uh, good for us to know in that it's chilling. But on the other hand, it's very productive. In verse 24, uh, John chapter 12, Jesus says, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. So what Jesus is saying to all of us is that if we want to live for ourselves, we're by ourselves. He says, but if it dies, it produces much grain. And what Jesus is telling us how to be productive. So this time is a time when we must reflect on how to be productive. You know, you don't, you don't, you don't, you don't find productivity just because you're cute, you know? It, it, that's not it. You say, well, I know I'm good looking and people turn when I walk, but that's not how. You have to die to yourself. And so if you die to yourself, he says, you will be very productive. Isn't that wonderful? These principles are counter to all the things that we have learned. So during resurrection time, it's not about going by some of the fast food outlets and getting some fish. We are learning new lessons, aren't we? So Jesus knew that he, he had to die in order for you to live. Jesus had to die for you to live. Now, I don't know about those of us in this audience, but that makes me sad. It saddens me. I don't pretend to be sad. I'm saddened when I think my, of my Lord having to die to save me, and it makes me more appreciative. I'm very appreciative of salvation. What about you? Wow. In verse 20, uh, 27, I think this should be all of our testimony or confession. Jesus says, now my soul is troubled. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I came to this hour. So whenever you and I must suffer, have to suffer, need to suffer, should suffer, let us know that we have come to this hour by the will of God. Some of the things I've prayed for I don't want when I see what they look like. Make me different, Jesus. Make me better. And when he starts to make me better, I rebuke you, devil. What are you trying to do? This is not God. Yes, it is God's will. So you want to be made better, and so that difficulty continues to come into your life. Pow, pow. You go, this isn't God. Yes, it is. He's making you better because he's taking your words out and giving you his words. <laughs> making me better. Making me better through pain. Making me better through the God process. Wow. Thank you, Jesus. I didn't know it would take that. I thought it would just take have to go through something. Let's talk a bit, bit about this. And we're going to receive communion together today, and I don't, want to, I don't want us to miss that. In Luke chapter 23, verses 39 through 43, let me not elaborate too much. The scriptures preach themselves. 
He says, then one of the criminals who were hanged blasphemed him, saying, if you are the Christ, save yourself and us. That's, that's humanistic thinking. Always wanting to be rescued out of your difficulty. You want to be delivered from rather than develop in. Listen, listen what they said. If you are the Christ, save yourself and others. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, now this one, this one, they both had reviled him, but this one had a change of mind when he saw how he died. There may be people in your life uh, that distance themselves from you, and they don't believe you, they don't trust you, but they'll change their mind if they see you dying. Dying to yourself. But the other answered, answering rebuked him, saying, Do you not even fear God, seeing that you're under the same condemnation? Seeing that you're under the same condemnation as God, the Son of God, Jesus? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. This man has done nothing wrong. This a criminal had a change of mind. I'd like to compare that to us. We were that, those other, that other criminal. We were the other criminal, and we saw something that our, our friends didn't see or haven't seen yet. We said, stop, guy. We deserved a lot worse than what we've gotten. This is what this man did. This man has done nothing wrong. Then Jesus said, then he said rather to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. These are the last words of a dying man. You will be with me today because you changed, because you repented. You will be with me today in paradise. I'm going to paradise today. I'm, I've got some people down there who are waiting on me. They couldn't get to heaven until I go, went down there. So I'm going down there with them. You're going to go with me there. This is amazing. And this is what Jesus said, says in a sense to all of us. Let me hurry. John chapter 19. Verses 26 and 27. When Jesus, therefore, saw his mother and the disciples whom he loved standing by, he said to his mother, woman, that's not disrespectful in this context. Woman, behold your son, looking at John. Behold your son. Then he said to John, or to the disciple, John, behold your mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her to his own home. Some people use this to say Jesus, that's because Jesus really didn't have uh, brothers and sisters. That is not correct. They were not believers yet. They lived in the same household with God, the Son of God, and they didn't believe him. They saw him different than everybody else, but they still didn't believe. And that's how critical salvation is to us. You can be looking at God and not know him. Looking at God and not even trusting and believing. So your salvation is the greatest miracle you've ever had. So don't come to Jesus and say, we need miracles. I've not seen a miracle. Look in the mirror. John 19, verses 28 through 30. I'm sure glad you're back today. 
After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, let me let me not go there yet. Let me go now. Let's go to Matthew, Matthew twenty-seven, Matthew twenty-seven, forty-five, forty-six. Now, from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, there was darkness over all the land. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you forsaken me? Great question. God could not look upon sin. Jesus had become sin. He had taken your sin. You said, well, I wasn't born yet. He took him. Took your sin. That's why you can, you can safely say, I am saved. Not I will be saved perhaps one day. I went to a funeral service, a particular denomination, and they were saying, we don't know where so-and-so is. And I thought, oh, Lord, get me out of here. We don't know, and they may not be, so we have to keep praying for them. And, and that way, blah, blah, blah. And I thought, Lord Jesus. Let me go back. Let me go back quickly. Let's go to John now, 19. Verse 26. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and his, the disciples whom he loved standing by, he said to his mother, Woman, I'm sorry, not the right place. John 19, 28. He says, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. Now, a vessel full of sour wine was sitting there, and they filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on, on hyssop, and put it on his mouth. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. It is finished. What Jesus is saying here is what I want to say, and I'm trusting that all of you will say that when you and I come to the end of this particular life, before we cross over into eternity, we will be able to say, as Jesus said, Father, everything that you gave me to do, I have done it. So Jesus is saying in this context, Father, everything that you have given me to do, I have perfectly done it. It is finished. There's nothing to pay. There's nothing else that I should do. And now in Luke 23, verses 44 through 47, it says, Now it was about the sixth hour. There was darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour. Then the sun was darkened and the veil of the temple was torn in two. And, and it's important that you know that veil was torn in two for you. So you could go directly to the, to the Lord, to God the Father, and you don't need a, a, anybody else. Jesus opened the door for you, the way for you. He tore the veil for you. And when Jesus had cried out with a loud voice, this is when Jesus said, it is finished. And then he said, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. He died. Having said this, he breathed his life, his last. And when the centurion, parenthetically, a man who had presided over many executions, he saw what had happened. 
glorified God, said, certainly, this was a righteous man, or truly, truly, this man was the Son of God. This man is God's Son. Father, bless this word in the hearts and the minds of everybody. I'm going to come back in a minute. We're, we're going to, uh, our brothers are going to serve communion while uh, Brother James is worshiping, but I want you to think about what he is worshiping, what he is saying or singing in the worship. And this is what I want you to do. I want, if, you, if you don't belong to Jesus Christ here, I want you to think about it. Let this be a time when you you think about it. Think about what you're going to do, what you're going to believe, how you're going to conduct your life, whether you're going to live in sin or live saved, a saved life. And those of you who are online, I want you to think about it. If you're watching and you're not saved, you must come to Jesus today. You, you need to tell Jesus, open your mouth, confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that God has raised this man from the dead. Believe that, and I'll be back in a moment.